Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I appreciate you so much. I'm so grateful for every moment that we get to spend together. I feel a little bit like Carol Burnett. You know, I'm so glad we had this time together, except this is the beginning of the show. And I'm looking forward to a really exciting episode again with you today. A couple of, couple more international best-selling authors. You know, it is what I do, but it's always such an honor when I can bring people who have had some incredible things that they've come through in life and now they're thriving in the midst of through the stuff they've come through and they're making a difference in the world out of the circumstances often we find ourselves in circumstances that we did not choose they're not things that we went out and ordered from the universe we didn't go to school and study them um, it wouldn't, it wasn't, you know, something when we were kids we were dreaming up. It's kind of the opposite sometimes. And yet, often we have to, or we get to, or life requires us to, I'm not even sure if I know the right word, but to go through some things that we hadn't planned. Um, now, there are people who go through the same exact things, and it's more than they can handle. It becomes, as the old saying goes, it becomes their tombstone rather than their stepping stone. But I so admire people who go through a real crucible of things and they come out as strong, confident, independent, powerful people who are making a difference in the world, not in the least part because of that thing they went through. Not saying that the thing they went through is something that God had planned for them by any means, or that they deserved at all, but just simply and purely that life happens. We make plans and then life happens. We live in a world that has disease and has other people that do things. And uh, because of that, we end up finding ourselves, uh, you know, really sometimes struggling through things not of our own making. Some of the things we deal with in life, you know, they're our own choices, but both of our authors today are not talking about things that were based out of the way they chose it, but rather how they rose out of circumstances beyond their capability to choose, and they shined bright in the midst of those kind of things. I admire people like that so much because it's so easy for us to look at somebody and what they're going through and you know think that they have some magical superpower that we don't have or think that um, or the other way you know that we think oh yeah you know I can go through that and it wouldn't be a problem at all and yet all of us that have been through hardships we know and understand just how difficult um, you know of course the most difficult of all I think probably is when one of our kids is is extremely ill and and one of the uh, one of the books that we're talking about today, um, this gentleman has spent the last literally 15 years being at a place where he could share with the world, um, and he's done some amazing things in the world. But the uh, trauma that he went through with the illness that their son went through, that eventually took his life, was was tough. And for any of you that have had a child in the hospital that's sick. Um, and not doing well, you know exactly what that's like. And, and that can be hard to overcome. And, and many people never really truly uh, come back to a place of powerful, um, making a difference in the world out of something like that. And, and so I really admire it. And we're going to have a really fun conversation with him here in just a couple of minutes. The other author, um, she started in as a young woman in a career that was something she studied for and dreamt of doing. 
and then found that, you know, there's a dark underside sometimes to the living out the dream that we thought we had. Um, and, and not that you have to run away from that, but you can actually learn how to be a strong, powerful, confident individual in the midst of that. And so I hope that you will listen in today as we talk about how to be strong and powerful and come through, how to be an overcomer. Um, you know, I've often said both here on the show as well as on my Facebook Lives, the problem with breakthrough is, is that we usually don't talk about the breaking or the through. We want to talk about the outcome when we've broken through and now we're on the mend or whole again. But it's that going through the slew of despond. It's that fighting through that most horrendous of circumstances that we need to share with one another so that we can say to a person who is hurting, I know exactly how you're feeling because I've been there myself and I don't have all the answers but here's what I know so far. And sometimes more than anything, that's what we need. It's a natural human tendency when we're going through something to have the mindset that no one else has ever experienced what I'm going through right now. It's, it's normal, it's typical for us. And it's only by our associating, uh, being in groups, being around other people that we begin to see that there is nothing except that which is common to man, that there isn't already a way that God has provided a way out. doesn't necessarily mean that the way out is the way we had it planned because of all the things that we talked about that are outside of us that we can't control, but there's always a way out. There's always more, better Things that can be more powerful can change your life, change your world, and can even help you see your destiny come out of a circumstance that I pray you never go through. I wish you never would have to go through, but the truth of the matter is that sometimes we do. So let's talk today about how you can overcome in the midst of and turn that trash into treasure make that ugly lump of coal into a beautiful shiny diamond in spite of how horrendous their circumstance is. I'm really excited. Rather than doing a commercial break, which I would normally do here, I'm actually going to do a live commercial break because I'm so excited to announce to you, you will be the very first ones to hear it, that September 8th, 9th, and 10th, we are having a thriving entrepreneur summit. Now, there's not even a web page for you to sign up for it. I'll be having that for you here in the next few days. Uh, probably be actually about this time next week. And uh, you are invited. We're going to have people that are talking to us about our interner, internal game, you know, the things we do in our life. And, and also some basic tips and tricks and things in, uh, you know, in our business as well. I'm, of course, going to do your Write Your Best Seller in One Hour workshop. Um, and we've got just some incredible things. Um, and I'm going to share more and even talk, uh, you know, a little bit more about some of the people. But I wanted you guys to be the very first, outside of the uh, speakers that we've been inviting, the very first people to know that, put that on your calendar, and be looking for the opportunity to get an invite. You can, of course, always email me, asksteveked at gmail.com and say, hey, Steve, I want to know more about the summit. And I will put you on a list and let you know as soon as we have the more details. So they're live commercial rather than um, a pre-programmed one. And I hope you all will join us. Now we want to jump into our incredible international best-selling authors and talk about overcoming in the midst of, about transformation truly turning the worst of situations into something that can make a difference in the world. Because at the end of the day, more than anything else, being a thriving entrepreneur is about taking the good and the bad in life and finding a way to advance yourself and the others in the world that you're meant to serve as you live as a thriving entrepreneur. 
So I'm going to quit talking now and I'm going to invite in our guest and we're going to together learn how to thrive in the midst of some of the worst of circumstances. Join me in welcoming James Anderson. Hey James, how are you doing today? Doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. So your book is called Marble Sorrows. Um, and I think the best way to do it would be just to jump in and tell us a little bit about you and what the story is about. Okay, happy to do so. So um, this is a story about uh, our son, uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Michael Anderson. And uh, Bryce was born in um, early uh, January 2004, and uh, he was diagnosed with, a, with leukemia uh, shortly after Thanksgiving in 2004. A, uh, all leukemia is bad. Uh, this was a particularly uh, troublesome diagnosis, uh, AML leukemia. And uh, we fought a, uh, a tremendous battle um, over the next uh, um, year plus with, with our son. He, uh, uh, he, he spent nearly 500 consecutive days uh, in the hospital. And I say nearly consecutive because we did have a few precious days at home. But uh, uh, almost consecutively 500 days in, in uh, five different hospitals. And, um, and it was a, a tremendous journey uh, for him and our, our, our family. And uh, we met a, a lot of people along the way and uh, a lot of amazing people who cared for our son, Bryce. And uh, we, uh, we had a lot of hope at the outset that uh, his treatment plan would uh, bring us the healing that we so desperately uh, wanted and we prayed for. Uh, the initial uh, chemotherapy went well and, and knocked uh, the leukemia into remission. And we went ahead with a, a bone marrow stem cell transplant, um, which was re recommended by our doctors. And after that, uh, uh, things got really uh, uh, difficult because he had a series of complications, which ultimately led to his uh, demise in April of uh, 2006. But uh, his resilience and his uh, spirit uh, inspire many uh, at the time and, and since then, and uh, inspired my wife, Emily, and I to create a foundation in his honor, uh, the BriceFoundation.org, which uh, helps uh, local hospitals and, and uh, provides a, a nursing award. And uh, it also inspired me to write this book, uh, Marble Sorrows, where I recount his, uh, his journey uh, in, uh, in much more detail. AML is really not one of the more well-known leukemias. You know, everybody, when they think of leukemia, they think of Lou Gehrig's disease. And yet most of the people that I know of, at least, having gone through it with Maya, uh, most of them are kids. Um, it's either kids or, you know, much older people. Uh, it's just horrible. Uh, can you explain to people... Uh, briefly, what AML is? Sure. AML is an abbreviation for acute myelogenous leukemia. And uh, as you, Steve correctly noted out, it's uh, one of the particularly uh, uh, difficult and challenging forms of leukemia. Uh, I mean, all leukemia is bad, obviously, but some are worse than others. Um, now, we, we did, in the, in the context of this diagnosis, uh, uh, we did receive uh, early on, uh, you know, a glimmer of good news insofar as uh, Bryce's brother, James, older brother, was a perfect match for the bone, mel bone marrow stem cell treatment. Uh, so we, we rejoiced in that. And after the chemotherapy, uh, with the recommendations of our, our doctors, we proceeded with that bone marrow stem cell transplant at Duke University Medical Center. Uh, but unfortunately, we had, uh, as mentioned, all sorts of complications that uh, ensued uh, following that, uh, that transplant. The reason we went ahead with that transplant is because even when kids get into remission uh, upon a, uh, you know, AML diagnosis, there is a, a pretty high uh, relapse rate where the leukemia comes back. So that's why we went ahead with the, uh, this, the bone marrow. Uh, transplant. It's a really tough story even now for you to talk about, and I really admire um, your ability to come on. I mean, I'm just even reading through and editing the book. Um, you know, it was 
very informative, but but tough. And and so I wanna I wanna commend you for your ability to be able to get through a conversation, uh, you know, on it at all. Uh, I just I can't even imagine. So, um, the foundation. What kind of things does the foundation do? You mentioned it a little bit, but let's talk a little, a little bit more detail about that. Sure, ha happy to. And uh, so in uh, Brett's past in April of uh, 2006, um, uh, incidentally passed on my birthday. So we share a birthday, mine on earth and his in heaven. And uh, that summer, you know, you know, which was particularly difficult in the immediate aftermath, uh, Emily and I decided, you know, you know we, want, we want to do something, you know, to honor our son and to, to help other people, you know, with his, uh, his inspiring us. So um, we decided to, uh, to create this foundation and uh, we absolutely did all the paperwork to make sure it's all, all square with the IRS and, uh, you know, a charitable um, foundation. And uh, what we've done uh, over the years is uh, create these programs at, uh, at three area hospitals uh, based upon our experience uh, when Bryce was hospitalized for, for so long. Um, I mean, for example, during those 500, nearly 500 consecutive days, um, you know, we, we came to realize the importance of healthy meals and nutrition, you know, for families fighting this battle. And uh, in our particular case, we, we were blessed by some uh, neighbors um, who helped provide us with uh, family meals so that, uh, you know, I didn't have to cook and Emily didn't have to cook as we were, you know, trying to be with Bryce as often as possible. So taking that experience that we lived through, uh, we created a um, healthy meals uh, program and, uh, and also a gas card gift card program at, uh, at two of the local hospitals, uh, Georgetown uh, Hospital and also Children's Medical Center in DC. And so what we do on a yearly basis is uh, we get uh, gift cards from uh, Whole Foods and gas cards, and we provide them to the social worker at the hospital who in turn gives them on the basis of needs to families who were fighting uh, the pediatric cancer battle. And we have gotten wonderful feedback over the years from very grateful families in the form of, of emails and, and letters you know, thanking us, uh, thanking the foundation for providing uh, these meals, because, you know, when a child is going through this experience, the, the whole family, you know, you know, is, is affected. And uh, just being able to help in, in you know, in that way can, uh, can ease a little bit uh, of, the, uh, of the burden for the families. And then what we do at another hospital, uh, Johns Hopkins up in Baltimore, where Bryce spent uh, almost a year, is we, uh, we do an annual uh, nursing award. Um, we call it the Extra Mile Award, and it's, uh, it's based upon uh, parents submit uh, nominations, and then there's a, a committee that selects uh, four nurses um, every, uh, every year, and then we do a, a ceremony. Usually it's in person. Recently we did it via Zoom, where we select four, four nurses for their extraordinary compassionate care, of uh, pediatric oncology patients, and um, and they get a, a, a cash award of a thousand dollars, and we it's it's a wonderful ceremony we do every year, and we share about Bryce and the foundation, and we ask them to share about how they came in, into pediatric uh, oncology nursing, and we do this because well we realized through the course of our experience with Bryce that. Uh, you know, the doctors are going to make the big decisions, right? But the nurses are, are actually the ones who are going to be hands-on uh, with the, uh, the child, you know, the vast majority of the time. So it was our experience that, um, you know, we had, we literally had, you know, dozens and dozens of different nurses uh, given the duration of Bryce's hospitalization. And uh, we, we were able to figure out, you know, the extraordinary nurses, the ones that, uh, you know, would partner with us and do the extra, take the extra steps to, to, to care for our son. And so we were inspired by that and we want to inspire others by recognizing uh, such achievement. And then the, the, the third thing I'll mention briefly is uh, over the years, we have also um, donated uh, to some pediatric oncology research efforts. Um, and uh, we particularly favor, you know, uh, approaches that are, are mindful of, of uh, side effects um, of, of current treatments because, you know, the side effects of chemotherapy and, 
the side effects, some of the side effects that we unfortunately experience with the bone marrow stem cell transplant, you know, can be uh, absolutely devastating. So there is much uh, work to be done in terms of improving the treatments for, uh, for children. Well, as a parent, having gone through that situation on behalf of all of them, um, thank you so much for that. I mean, to help people understand the concept, 500 days is, is a year and a half. Um, and the child, you either have to work it out, which, you know, you still have bills at home and the other kids. Um, so you have to either neglect those or the child is in the hospital by themselves. And there's these wonderful nurses that do all they can when you can't be there and you kind of give up your whole life. You know, you just do everything you can to be in that room every minute you can. Um, And so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, little things like, because, you know, the hospital has a plan for feeding the child. Yes. But they don't have a plan. I mean, you can buy food from the cafeteria, but it's not included in your insurance for mom or dad to get, you know, lunch while they're sitting there with the child. Yes. And so that's, thank you so much for that. That is really huge. I, I don't think people really can fathom without experiencing it. And I hope nobody ever experiences it, but can really fathom what that's like. Yes, and I mean, in our case, uh, given the severity of, of Bryce's complications, I mean, we, we Emily and I, uh, we were with, with Bryce, you know, the, the entire time. Um, and it was, it was largely my wife uh, during the week. And then our routine was, uh, you know, I would be at work during the week. Emily would be with Bryce during the work week. And then on Friday nights, um, you know, when Bryce was at Hopkins, uh, I would, uh, for almost a year, one of his hospitals, uh, I would drive up to Baltimore and I would spend the weekend with him and give my, my wife a break. Um, and we also had, uh, we had one, some wonderful assistance from, uh, from, uh, extended family members. Uh, we had, uh, for example, my, my sister at the time, uh, Winnie you know, lived up in Baltimore. So she was able to, you know, come in one night a week and spend that time with Bryce and, and give my wife a, you know, a little bit of a breather. And, uh, my sister's, uh, uh husband, my brother-in-law was able to combine keep me company uh, while I was watching Bryce on the weekend. And uh, so that, that, that definitely helped. And we had some other relatives uh, at certain times, but it was also, you know, it was, it was complicated because with Bryce's condition, he was, um, we always had to worry about infection. I mean, any, any person, any child who goes through chemotherapy is going to be, uh, their immune system is going to be compromised. So we had to be extremely careful about who we would let in to see Bryce. Um, but as I mentioned, we had, uh, you know, we had some help and we, we are grateful for that. And we also had, you know, a lot of people um, helping out in other ways. I mentioned our neighbors. Um, we had people praying for, uh, for our son and for our family uh, around the world. Uh, there were these prayer chains that our, our church uh, was able to, to set up. Um, and these are people who, uh, you know, we, we never knew, we, we never met, we will never met meet them, but uh, we know that they prayed their hearts out for our son, and, and as we did, uh, you know, for his, uh, for, for his healing. And uh, unfortunately, those, those particular prayers were, were not answered. Uh, Bryce, uh, you know, Bryce went through a very difficult time and passed away in April of 2006. But, um, you know, in a larger sense, uh, you know, we, we're very confident that Bryce is uh, thriving in heaven. And uh, I do talk about that in the book. Uh, in fact, I'll share with you one of the, uh, we call them, uh, my wife and I call them Godwinks, um, you know, little signs that, uh, that Bryce is doing well. I had a, a dream uh, a couple of years after uh, Bryce passed away. And in, in, in the dream, uh, we saw our son, I saw my son um, uh, perfectly healthy. Uh, he didn't have any of the scars that he had endured with, all, with his surgeries. Um, and he was, uh, he was, it was sitting and laughing and there were a couple of, uh, doctors that were there, you know, trying to, to examine him with like a stethoscope and all the rest. And he was just kind of playfully pushing them away. Um, and that, that told me that, uh, that dream, a little Godwink that, uh, Bryce is, uh, you know, Bryce is thriving in he- heaven. And so we, uh, we, we take uh, great comfort in that. 
And the book is called Marvel Sorrows. Mm -hmm. All the proceeds of the book go to the foundation. Uh, you can get the book for free today. In fact, I'll it's in the description, but I'll drop the link in the comments again for people who want to get a copy of the book. Um, if somebody wants to help out with the foundation, how can they get in contact with you? What kind of things can they do to help? So we, we have a website. It's uh, BriceFoundation.org. Um, and there it uh, goes into more detail on, on some of the programs that we have and, and also uh, provides a link there on how people can, can donate to the, uh, the foundation. Um, I, I will add that, you know, we, we are a small foundation, but I think we, we, you know, we punch above our weight. We're, we're very mindful and careful about, uh, you know, stewardship of the foundation. Uh, my wife and I run the foundation and uh, we have never taken a salary. We will never take a salary. Uh, the only overhead that we have is uh, simply, you know, a yearly kind of uh, paying an accountant to make sure that we're all uh, all squared away with the IRS. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, everything goes directly to uh, to these uh, programs, which we've had a very good uh, experience with and wonderful feedback uh, over the years. And I put the link in for that to BriceFoundation.org. Thank you. Um, so that anybody that wants to can contact you. James, I only just moderately even understand all that you've been through, but I so appreciate you taking this horrendous situation and turning it into something positive um, in Bryce's name. And I appreciate you having the courage to write the book. Um, thank you for sharing it with us. Well, thank you for, uh, for this opportunity. and. You know, it's all about what uh, Bryce uh, inspired uh, us to do, Emily and myself. So uh, he's, you know, he's the reason for the foundation uh, that we continue it. And it's a labor of love. And um, and also uh, he what he went through and his his ability to, you know, go through all that and still uh, still smile with his wonderful, uh, wonderful grin, even, you know, even after some the most uh, hardest times imaginable. I mean, that 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 resilience and that spirit uh, truly uh, inspired me to write the book. And it, it, it did take a long time to write um, because it was difficult. I mean, it took me uh, uh, just over 15 years uh, and it was, you know, frankly, kind of a form of, um, of therapy, you know, kind of working through uh, all of that. There were some sections of the book that were very difficult to write. Uh, there'll be some sections of the book that readers may find difficult to read. Uh, because of what Bryce went through. But uh, ultimately, it's a story of, you know, his his spirit, uh, his resilience, and how that entire experience uh, ultimately strengthened uh, our faith and uh, and also uh, inspired a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of people uh, around the world. And uh, I'd like to have a picture of uh, little Bryce right here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this up so people can uh, see him. Um, this is uh, one of the the very few days that uh, that Bryce was uh, out, out of the hospital, it was after his initial chemotherapy before his bone marrow stone cell transplant. But um, you can see him, uh, you know, I love that photo because he's just kind of clowning around there and it has that, that wonderful smile on, on his face. So that uh, at the time and always will uh, inspire uh, Emily and myself with the, uh, to continue with the foundation. Well, James, thank you so much for the book and for your time here on the show today. Um, I do encourage people to go to BriceFoundation.org um, and to get the book today and uh, really enjoy it and help participate. James, thanks for being with us here on the show today. Well, thank, thank you, Steve, for having me on the show. And uh, thank you to all the, uh, the viewers and the, and the listeners out there. I really do hope you will take the time to go right now today to Bryce Foundation, B-R-Y-C-E, foundation.org, and see what kind of things you can do to help out. Get the book in print, ebook form, whatever. Um, all the proceeds of the book go there. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, and James and I were talking about this before we even brought out the book, and, and honestly, you know, even a $20 or $25 donation to the organization can make such a huge difference. I mean, think about the fact of if your child was in the hospital and you had no food, you're not going to, and you have no money to get it, you will go without food to be there to give 
health and safety and comfort to your child. And organizations like the, Browse, the Bryce Foundation are so, so necessary. And oh, I'm just blown away by people who do those kind of things for people in the worst of, hardest of circumstances. I admire all of the Anderson family so much for what they've come through and all they do. It's what I consider to be the best example of living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. We're talking about thriving in the midst of overcoming, turning the trash into treasure in our lives, taking the circumstances in life that aren't the things we had planned and making them something that can still be a diamond in the world, turning, as we talked about in that first segment, the loss of a child into something that can provide aid and comfort to people in the worst and most dire of circumstances in their life. What a great testament to and a way to honor the life of their precious son. And so now we want to move on to a second one. And when I first was thinking about putting together this episode, I was like, you know, there's a lot of diversity between these two books that came out last week. Um, should I put them together? And then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's a completely different concept, but the core part of it is we make plans and then things come up that are absolutely not something we planned for, not what we want. Things aren't going the way we intended. And in that moment is the opportunity for us to overcome, to shine, to be more, and come out on the other side with something of value. Now, I don't believe personally that God puts us through things on purpose so that we will learn our lesson. But I believe that in the midst of that, God has the capability and does come in and make the most horrible things that evil people, evil situations, disease, sin, whatever you want to say in the world, brings into our life and turns them back into treasure, turns them into things that we can then go out and make a difference in the world from that thing that we hadn't planned, but now can be turned into a diamond that will help others. With that in mind, we do have a second international best-selling author that I'm really excited to introduce to you and have you talk about the whole concept of turning your thing you didn't expect into something wonderful in your life. Join me in welcoming Madame Lachey. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So your book is called Diaries of a Celebrity Masseuse. Um, lots of interesting things that are in this story. First, tell us a little bit. Yeah, there's a copy of it. <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, your background and how you got into being a masseuse and, and doing it for celebrities. Oh, wow. So um, 
I had an accident at uh, the age of 18. It was a very bad accident. Um, flatlined twice, almost lost my life and was paralyzed for about a week. Uh, actually paralyzed for about a month and in a coma for a week. And after that, I wanted to help people. I wanted to help them get better. And I understood how it felt to, to be in pain all the time. So I um, wanted to do something in the therapy field. My mom wanted me to do physical therapy. So I thought, hey, I'll give it a shot. Um, and that started me into evolving into a, masse a masseuse because I didn't really know what the difference. And uh, so once I went to school uh, for massage therapy, um, I started doing it. And uh, it was just really a fluke how I started massaging celebrities because I met a personal trainer who introduced me to a district manager of a big hotel at the time. It was Swiss Hotel. Now it's uh, the Westin. And um, impressed them all. And that's how I got the contract. And from there, started massaging celebrities. So yeah. So you were one of those people that, uh, you know, you call down to the front desk and you say, you know, I'd like to get a massage and mm -hmm. you worked there on staff and went and gave massages to whomever basically in the motel. It started like that. And then I obtained the contract completely because I was the most dependable therapist that always produced when they called, I came. And uh, then they said, hey, can you have the entire hotel contract and you'll be in charge of the spa and uh, running the entire spa and all the services out of the spa. So that's uh, what it evolved into. So, so it sounds like a really cool dream job, you know, mm -hmm. now you're in charge of all of the spa services for this, you know, high end hotel and stuff. Um, but it obviously didn't stay that way. What happened? Uh, well, uh, the hotel sell out 9-11 happened. And that was a big, a big hindrance to everything. Um, after 9-11, the management of Swiss Hotel sold out to the Westin. I didn't, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Swiss Hotel and Swiss Air were owned by the same company. And when Swiss Air went out of business, Swiss Hotel started to suffer and they had to sell their management. And that's how it evolved to eventually going into the hands of another hotel ownership. And then they got their own therapists in and did their own thing and got rid of contractors. So then you're just kind of out in the cold without a job. Is that pretty much the way it was? It, well, it was like that for a minute. And uh, then I got my own separate office because I had a following. And I honestly still have customers and clients that I I had back then that followed me up until now. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So the cover of your book says, and I, I've got to ask you this question. It says, um, <laughs> these stories will make um, Heidi Fleisch seem like Mother Teresa. So obviously some um, things happened. <laughs> I was trying to think of a more descriptive word. So, I mean, obviously it must not have been bad enough that it totally scared you away, but um, you know, some stuff went on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, lots of things, of course, happen behind closed doors when people are getting massages. Um, you know, um, I was in my 20s, so of course I wasn't unattractive at all. <laughs> Still am not. But um, so I had a lot of people to come on to me. You know, I had a lot of propositions. Um, I just saw and, and heard a lot of things just being a fly on the wall in the room waiting to do services. Um, of course, I didn't mention any names in the book because of, 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 of uh, you know, confidentiality and, and, and business. But um, the stories are what I wanted to get out. It was very important to me to get out the stories because I found myself 10, 15, 20 years later still thinking about a lot of the things that happened and noticing that it had affected my mindset and how I interacted with the opposite sex um, as I got older. So I went into therapy and my therapist said, hey, I think it's a good idea if you write about these things. And that's when the book uh, evolved into what it is today. So, you know, any of us that are, you know, old enough, most people probably remember the movie Pretty Woman. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and that's kind of the dream, right? You know, it's like, and then this wonderfully rich guy is going to fall in love with me, right? Mm. Um, I'm sure you got some interesting proposals, but did you ever have a situation where you felt like the guy was going to sweep you off your feet and take you away to his castle in the sky? <laughs> well, I actually, I did. Um, I had, a, <laughs> I did, um, but I didn't, I was always the type of person that I, I believed in working hard and earning what you deserve. And I know that when you give up certain things of your, you know, you, you, when you give up your life to someone, especially someone that's wealthy and famous, um, you also give up your independence. So um, I did experience that a couple of times enough to know that that's not what I wanted. So, you know, um, I took it for what it was at the time. If I dated someone, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it for the moment and I never expected it to end up being my knight in shining armor. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's good for you because I know there's a lot of people that wouldn't be able to resist the temptation of at least what that appears to be on the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So throughout the course of it, what did you learn uh, that you wish, you know, you could have told the 20 year old version of you, Hey, this is what you need to know going into this. I've learned that um, it's okay to say no just because someone has something over your head or has more uh, of an authority figure or more money, or if they're your, your, your you know, your uh, anything, anyone older than you or whatever, it's okay. If you don't feel comfortable with the situation to say, no, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I'm not happy with this. I'm removing myself from the situation. Um, because a lot of times I, I find that I let things go too far, as you'll see in the book sometimes before I interrupted or stopped the situation. Um, in cases where, as I may have been attracted to the person, a person as a person, you know, you can meet someone on a business level and turn it into a relationship if you'd like. But in the cases where, as it was more of um, too much asserting, asserting on to me what they wanted and I wasn't uh, agreeing with it, then I think um, if I were the younger version of me, I would tell me, say, no, it's okay. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. Money loss is money gained. It comes and go. <laughs> mm, for sure. I mean, it's a really intriguing and interesting story. And there are definitely some, uh, you know, really juicy bits in there. But if you had to pick one group of people, um, I'm assuming you're probably talking to the, you know, 20-ish year old women mm -hmm. as well and telling them, you know, hey, this is a great career, but watch out for these things. Is that mm -hmm. is that true? I would say that. I would say, hey, this is a great career. Watch out for both men and women that will give you advances, even couples. You know, um, you will be looked at as a sex object, unfortunately. Although you will help a lot of people, you will heal a lot of people, you will have to overcome that. And it comes with the, the, the territory, it comes with the profession. What does a person do when they're not used to that? You know, when they've never been objectified in that way and it happens to them the first time, how do they prepare themselves for that beforehand? There's no way. There's no way. Um, there's no way to prepare yourself. It's just like you, you know, when you're young and you want to have your first kiss, so you kiss dolls and you kiss your sister or whatever, you try to figure out how to kiss, but there's nothing like that first kiss because when you do it, it's nothing like the practice. <laughs> so really you have to just set your boundaries. You have to really be okay with who you are and understand that if I'm not comfortable with something, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to give it an opportunity to unfold and then let it, um, you know, out that I don't want it to happen. Sometimes you have to really go in there with an armor, like, okay, this is very professional. And when the conversation starts to veer from that, then you don't talk about anything personal or anything of that matter that'll make them feel like you're comfortable enough that they can approach you in that way. So I almost feel like you need a whole blog series that is Madame Lachey's advice to young women. Yeah. <laughs> would be very pretty. popular. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you say that because I've started to do speaking. And a part of my speaking is um, letting go of emotional traumas and speaking up for yourself and also inclusiveness for, for uh, young adults to let them know that, you know, it's OK to be different and it's OK to to protect yourself and your comfortability. 
So I definitely want to do uh, in the future plan to do more speaking on that. So let's never, <laughs> because it's easy to say, if this happened to me, I would never do that. Every situation will be different and you have to evaluate it for what it is when it's time. But it's easy for us to have this um, idea of how we want our life to go and how we want to live our life as a young adult. And then anything that veers from that, we don't know how to handle it. So it's just best to go in it with an open mind and be ready for new experiences and handle every specific situation for what it is. Because when we're trying to make our life something that we think we want it to be, then when something happens that we're not expecting, we don't know how to handle it. So just go go with the moment, go with the flow and do any everything that's in your comfort level, do but If it's not, then don't do it. <laughs> that's really good advice. So people who, um, you know, would like to go deeper with you, have you as a speaker, um, those kind of things, how can they get in contact with you? On my website, um, tanyalachey.com or tanyalachey.me or celebritymasseuse.com. It's all the same link that's going to the same site. You can also purchase the book there at that site. You can um, download my PDF from my speaker sheet and um, contact me via email, phone number, or um, uh, you can also leave a message on the site if you list, uh, put your information on so that I can have you on my mailing list. Shoot me a message saying that, hey, you're interested in more information or even a private talk um, to, to if you need help with uh, how to progress through this industry without having this, you know, having your entire life change. Because I must say one thing um, that people don't think about. I've lost a lot of relationships because uh, the man was insecure about what I did for a living as massage. A lot of people don't understand that. They don't want you touching on anyone else but them. You know, it is something that you have to get comfortable with and discuss with your partner, your better half. And um, that's something that a lot of people don't discuss. A lot of massage therapists are single for that reason. So. Makes a lot of sense. And. You know, I know because I have a friend that is, there's a lot of accusations that end up happening that aren't real. You know, it's just that person's insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. And then also you'll, you'll come across some very good looking people when you're massaging. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and they're comfortable with you. you. You're comfortable with them. You know how they look on dress. So it's like, it is an opportunity. If you're looking for someone, you can find someone that way. Of course, that's not what you want to market in your business. But I do understand um, partners being a little hesitant because of that. So there's a lot of different things you can do to make them comfortable. I've even um, been told, you know, have cameras in the reception area. That way they see you interact with these people before and after. And they pretty much know that nothing went on in between. Different things to make your, your partner comfortable. But I do know I am dating now. And in dating, I do find some guys that, that mention that that would be a problem. And they give me ideas on how... To make them more comfortable and I listen and I do it. So yeah. Well and I think that's a key in any good relationship is communication. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The book is called Diaries of a Celebrity Masseuse. The Celebrity's Masseuse Chronicles. I hope there will be more of them to come. Yes, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. I couldn't wait to talk about that. We do. I do have more coming. Um, I, 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 my attempt is to do one a year. Um, it's going to evolve into adding more characters. Of course, Madame Lachey will fade out after the second um, um, book. Um, half of it will be more about my life. And then uh, when I finish that half, then I will be bringing on different characters. I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, I'm bringing on a male therapist perspective and I'm bringing on a perspective of um, a character that uh, she's basically from Yugoslavia and she was a massage therapist there, uh, migrated here because they were pushed out of their country and uh, come to America. And her only uh, drawback is that she doesn't have a massage license and she has to go through the schooling here in America to get that. However, she can't afford it. So she has to work in, I would probably say underground massage sectors in order to build the money to be a professional masseuse. But um, most of my characters you'll see, they're coming from a situation where they 
are overcoming some type of turmoil. They evolve into the profession due to whatever they're trying to overcome, but then they grow from that and learn a lot, and then they evolve and turn it to a therapeutic profession. But it can start off that, you know, a little in between the lines, the way they have to make themselves um, through and, and get themselves to the point that they can be, you know, have their own professional business. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and I did put the link in the chat for anybody that didn't see it in the description. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get the book for free today. Um, excited to do our marketing launch for the book and see it become a bestseller. Um, and uh, I'll be watching it throughout the day. Are there any parting comments that you'd like to give people before we go? No, that and um, if uh, one other thing I would like to do too, there are tons of stories. So many people have stories. And just to stick with the title, uh, Celebrity Masseuse Chronicles Diaries of a Celebrity Masseuse is the first book. The second book will be Memoirs of a Sexy Masseuse. And uh, that because we're going into the lives of other people now and not, not just the celebrity masseuse, more of a sexy masseuse because everybody don't massage celebrities like I had the opportunity to. But um, the moral of all of the stories are really just um, people are going to be people. You never know what to expect. Go into life open-minded and ready to deal with every situation as it comes um, and enjoy. I mean, that's all you can do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Madam Lachey, I appreciate having you on the show here today. Thank you. All of us that are fathers have that fear that our daughters, when they go out and they live their life, will run into evil men. That more than anything else, people will take advantage of them, especially men, um, and that they will be scarred permanently from these situations in life. I can tell you as a father, you know, I have four daughters and two sons. Um, and I can tell you that it's one of those things that you, you know, we use the phrase, give it to God. But the truth of the matter is you still worry about it. And you still do everything you can to both raise them to know better, as well as hopefully prepare them for what's coming. But even in that, they're going to have to live out in the world and they're going to have to get strong. They're going to have to go through some things and they will overcome. And that's where the faith really needs to come in in your life is you need to really truly know and believe that when outside circumstances come in and create things in your child's life that wasn't something you would have ever requested, prayed for, wanted them to go through. That whatever the outcome, that God will find a way to turn that most horrendous of circumstance into something that can be a diamond. Maybe it's like in our first segment where a child gets sick and passes away. And I can tell you, I mean, we're so grateful because Maya is still alive. Um, but I know what it's like to come to the reality of a child being at death's door um, and the agony that you go through. And the, in a way, living through, even though they're still alive already, the beginnings of their death. It's very difficult. Um, and it's something that I wish that no one would ever have to go through. But what I can tell you is there are angels there are angels in this world that will be life and breath and hope for you, even in those worst of circumstances. What I can tell you is, is that as parents, yes, we're going to continue to worry. I'm not even going to live in the world where I'm going to pretend that you can never get to a place where you won't worry about your kids. But you can train them in wisdom and in integrity so that when they're in a situation that could easily turn them down a road that um, might be something they never really overcome. They can excel. They can rise above. Their integrity can show up. And they can be amazingly powerful people in the world right where they are. It's really fun in those moments when you get to see your child 
do something that's brave, that's courageous, that is, you know, filled with integrity and resolve. And, and you just smile and you beam and you're grateful to God. And, you know, as parents, we take a little bit of credit for it, too. And even though in a child's life, when they, you know, a young adult's life, when they overcome, they may not say, you know, thanks to mom and dad for the way they raised me. It's in there. And that's good. You see, life is, it happens. And there's so many things that, uh, you know, throughout the course of the years that we've done the show and all the books that I've done, uh, you know, there are so many things that I wish never happened to the authors that I've worked with. They're horrible. They're not, they're unfathomable, really. Even if you've been through, you know, like when James and I were talking, I've been through a similar circumstance, but not nearly as bad as what he did. They're still unfathomable. And they're just, they're horrible. And yet, the amazing thing for me is how in the midst of those things, when we're open and available to it, God, the universe, life, whatever you want to look at it as, has the capability and does present us with opportunity to turn that trash into a treasure, to turn that lump of coal into a diamond, and to use it for something amazing, something that makes a difference that in the midst of it, we're not going to understand. When you're in the process of breaking and through, you're not in your breakthrough and you're not going to see the possibility of the mountain. You're just fighting for air. You're trying to keep your head above water, if only long enough to gasp before you go under again. And I want to be the stand for you today if you're in one of those circumstances and let you know, here's a hand. You're going to come through. We're pulling and praying for you because there's so much more for you. You are uniquely brilliant. You were created very much on purpose, for a purpose and with a purpose. And oh yes, the world needs you. Even though it doesn't feel like it maybe right now. Even though you may be going through some stuff that the rest of us can't now and may never be able to fathom. There is another side. There is a place of outcome where this current trash will turn into treasure. Maybe you're on the other side of the swamp and you're cleaning your clothes off now. And now is the time to begin to allow that lump of coal to begin to shine, to chop the rough edges off of that icky rough cut diamond and turn it into the gleaming gem that it is so that you can show up every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. I want that so much for you. I hope until we're together again next time that you're happy, safe, warm, and loved, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> check this out guys yep everything's marketing and marketing is everything your existing book can become a best-selling book or even hey like mine a number one international best-selling book in five days listen if your business isn't known by everybody it's obscurity and that's death right the same thing is true for your book if you're not happy with the way your book is performing you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You